All right, friends, on this fourth Sunday of Easter, we're reading from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, to the church at Ephesus. We're going to read from chapter 5, verses 21 through 25. This is Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 5. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Brothers and sisters, welcome back for week three of our series, Happily Ever After. We are talking about marriage and singleness and about our human relationships and about how we can receive this great grace of God through Jesus Christ and then share it with one another in our real lives day to day in our living with one another. And if you remember, if you were here a couple weeks ago, you'll remember we started this series and we said that when we got married, those of us who've been married, we came and, and stood at the altar with a box full of desires. All of us come into all of our relationships with hopes and dreams, right? We, we have desires about how our relationships will go and the ways that we are going to love each other and what that will look like. And so maybe we had a desire about what kind of job I would have or my spouse would have and about uh, maybe, oh, maybe my husband is going to have dinner on the table every night when I get home, right? Or, or maybe my wife would, would cook the dinner at home. Um, you had some desire about how much money you're going to make and, and who's going to work or we're both going to work or just one of us and the other will stay home with, uh, stay home with the babies, right? And uh, you said, well, we're going to have kids or we're, no, definitely not having kids or we're going to have a lot of kids and just keep popping them out, babies, babies, babies. Uh, and you had some, maybe some desires about how you would uh, resolve conflict in your, in your relationship. Um, and, you know, I, I confessed to you the other week, one of my desires is a good old Ovaltine. And when I go in the pantry and I see it, I, I feel so loved because my wife gets it for me, and it's rich and chocolatey. Drink Ovaltine. No. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Okay, so here's the thing, though. We come into marriage with these desires, and it's, they're good, right? They're, God gives us these desires for, for health and for peace and wellness in our relationship. But along the way, something very, uh, very subtle happens, and yet it's insidious because what we do is very slowly, without even realizing it maybe, we took things out of the desires box and we put them into the expectations box. So it used to be, well, I desired to have some chocolate milk to drink, but now I expect, and it would better be there. And, and uh, gosh, well, I had hoped that maybe you would make dinner, but now I expect, and you, you owe that to me. And, uh, well, you know, I used to hope that you would bring home a paycheck to, to help us live, but now I expect, and, and you better and so these things, these God-given desires we started our relationship with, good and healthy, we have transformed them into expectations. And what that's done to our relationship is it has transformed it from a covenant relationship based on unconditional love. I'm freely fulfilling your desires and you're freely fulfilling mine. Transformed it into a contract that says you owe me and I owe you and you're in my debt and I'm in your debt and we are debtors to one another and we are living a relationship based on expectations. You must do this for me. I must do that for you. So this is our dilemma. This is our dilemma. We had desires. Now they've become expectations. We had a covenant marriage. Now we have a contract marriage and I will only if you will. 
So what's the solution? What is the solution to this dilemma? Some might say, well, the solution is you just get rid of your desires, right? You just take this box and throw it out, and I just, I just won't desire or wish or dream of anything. Uh, my friends, I, I don't know how you do that. I'm not that spiritual. I don't know about you. I'm not that spiritual to, to not want some good things in my life, right? I desire a comfortable bed to sleep in. I desire good food to eat. I desire peace with my wife and, and a healthy relationship with my kids. And, and I really believe God has given us these kinds of desires. And so I really don't think the answer is to try to just pray some magic prayer where God would make us a vanilla, neutral person without any desires. So we just walk around saying, whatever, I don't care. Right? That's not realistic, is it? Nor is it really healthy. It's not good. And so the answer is not to get rid of our desires. The solution is, the solution is, and some of you have already figured this out. The solution is, do you know? Take the expectations and put them back in the desires box. So take the things that we have come to expect from one another and put them back where they belong in this box of desires. So no longer is it something that the other must do for me that I expect, but I can desire it. And that way, when my desire is filled, is fulfilled, I feel loved. I, I feel blessed because he, she didn't have to do that, but they did it for me because they loved me, and therefore I feel loved. And that then leaves room for the gift of and receipt of unconditional love in your relationships. So how do we do that? How do we take the expectations and transform them back into desires? Well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning, and I'm going to give you the answer. But before I give you the answer, let me confess, you may not like it. You may not like the answer because this can be hard to hear, and it, trust me, it's even harder to do it and to do it right and to do it faithfully and to do it consistently. But I promise you this, if you do it, it will revolutionize your relationship. It will totally transform how you live your life, in particular with that significant other in your life. Now, it may be a husband and wife, maybe a friend, maybe a sibling, a parent, a child, whoever it is. So if you're not married and you're listening to this this morning, I want you to listen with the ears of, okay, Pastor Brad is talking to me about my most significant relationship in my life. It this is not just about marriage. This is about humanity and how we love each other. Okay, so here is the solution, and it comes from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and he says in chapter 5, verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit. Now, let's be honest, that's not our favorite word, is it? We don't like to submit, because when we hear a word like submission, we think, oh, Paul's asking me to be a doormat. He's asking me to just let people walk all over me. My friends, let me encourage you. That's not what Paul is asking us to do or who he is asking us to be. Think about this for a minute. Was Jesus a doormat? Not at all. Not at all. Did he submit himself to the will of the Father? Yeah. Did he submit himself to the need of humanity for salvation? Yes. So here's Jesus who is submitting himself to the Father, to the needs of humanity, but not at all a doormat. So it turns out submission, what submission really means when Paul talks about it is, I will put the desires of the other person ahead of my own. I will submit myself to the needs of the person I love rather than waiting for them to do it 
for me. You see, when people come in my office and they tell me about how rough their marriage is, they inevitably say, well, you know, if he would just, or, or if she would ju- only, and, and no one ever wants to say, what can I do? So I'm here to tell you this morning, here's what you can do. You can submit yourself to the other out of reverence for, now this is the kicker, it's interesting to note, it doesn't say out of reverence for your spouse. It doesn't say, Brad, submit to your wife Donna out of reverence for Donna, does it? It doesn't say, Donna, submit to Brad out of reverence for Brad. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for who? Christ, out of reverence for Christ. And what is reverence? Reverence means awe. It means admiration. It means worship. It means I'm so grateful for this new life I've been given that my gratitude just pours out of me in a spirit of worship. And so out of my sense of reverence to Jesus Christ, I would submit to my spouse, submit to that significant other in my life. Paul's saying, in light of what Jesus has done for you, submit to one another. And this is the way, my friends, that we put Jesus at the center of our relationships. We hear that a lot, that idea, how do you do that? How do you put Jesus at the the center of your marriage, at the center of your home? This is how you do it. You serve one another and submit to one another because Jesus has done that for you. Because Jesus has submitted himself to you so you can submit yourself for others. So it would be as if I had a conversation with God And it would go something like this, God, I'm so grateful for what you've done for me. You are such a good and generous God and so loving. And, uh, you know, you transformed my life. You you, you gave me new life in Jesus. You forgave my sin. I used to be a huge jerk, and and now I'm less of a jerk. Uh, I mean, you could argue with that, I guess. Maybe I'm still still a big jerk. That's okay. But God, I'm a work in progress, right? God's work. God, thank you so much. You're, You're blessing me. You're loving me. God, how can I say thank you? How can I say thank you to you for your generosity in my life? You've been so good to me. I want to do something, however small, in return to say thank you uh, for what you've done for me. And God says, you serious? I say, yes, I'm serious, God. Please let me. Let me show you how grateful I am. And God says, okay, I want you to take all that gratitude, all that passion, that energy, that love that you have for me, and I want you to pour it out into the life of your spouse. No, 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 hang on, God, you you don't understand, no, no. I'm talking about you and me, right? This is me right here. So what can I do for you? And God says, yeah, I heard you, I know, I know. And what I want you to do is all that gratitude you feel toward me, I want you to pour it out, I want you to shower that into the life of your wife. I want you to, to give her all of the love and compassion you feel toward me, I want you to share it with her. Hmm. Well, is there anything else? I mean, is there anything else I could do? You know, like, can I give 11%, you know, or just go on a mission trip or something? Gosh, you know, why, why do we have to bring this here into this here? And, and God says, you know, uh, you know how I, I forgave you your sin? Oh, yeah, you know, God, that's so great. That's what's so great about being a disciple is, is you declared, I don't owe you anything, God. And, and Jesus paid the price for me. And God says, okay, now. I want you to declare to your wife that she doesn't owe you anything, just like I declared you don't owe me anything. And you know this great, this great debt-free relationship we have, God says, between you and me because I've forgiven your sin and Jesus has paid the cost? Yeah, God, that's awesome. Now I want you to take that and I want you to extend that to your human relationship. And I want you to tell the other, you don't owe me anything. And I have forgiven you and I will love you no matter what. Because I have loved you 
that way, no matter what. My friends, imagine how it would transform our relationships if we declared that the other people in our lives don't owe us anything. If we said to them, my desire is to fulfill your desires. Imagine if all of us made the other person's desires our priority and said, you know what, I'm not going to worry so much about getting my own desires met. What can I do for the other? What can I do for someone else? Paul says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then Paul continues with verse 22. And this is, uh, this is the part all the ladies love, okay? Wives, Okay, wives, some, is it hot in here? I'm really uncomfortable right now. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands because they're so great. No, no, because they never make mistakes. No, because they're perfect in every way. Definitely not. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as you do to the Lord. As you do to the Lord. Would you submit yourself to the other because of how Jesus has submitted himself to you? You know how Jesus loves you so much that he would lay down his life for you. And in return, you got on your knees and you fell on your face and said, Jesus, I give my life to you. Would you submit yourself to your husband in the same way and channel all your love and all your passion and all your gratitude into the life of your husband because of what Jesus has done for you? That's what Paul's challenge is for us, for the ladies, to do that for your husband. Okay, guys, now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. You're not off the hook, guys. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So how did Jesus love the church? He died for us, right? Jesus put aside his own desires and his own needs and his own preferences for our need of salvation. And so Paul says, now, husbands, you need to do the same. You need to love your wives the way Jesus loved the church. That is to die for her. Would you give up your life? And guys will say, yes, I will do it. I will protect my family, right? And we stick out our chest and we say, I would be willing to take a bullet. And I bet if I took a poll, most of the men in here would say, yes, I would do it. I would take a bullet for my wife, for my family. That's how much I love them. And that's awesome. But you know what, my friends, that's so unlikely, That is so unlikely. The chance of that really happening is almost nil. And you know what's much more likely? Is that you will have an opportunity every day to die to yourself, to lay down your life, to say, you know what? Okay, I'll put my desires on the back burner. I'll say those don't matter as much as yours. And what are your desires that I can fulfill for you? And you would set aside your work, your preferences, your hobbies, your desires for the sake of your wife to love your wife the way Jesus has loved the church. And as we unpack this, it becomes pretty clear that um, Paul is not just talking to the women, right? We love to cherry pick this verse and say, oh, women, you're supposed to submit to your husbands. But Paul is talking about a radical kind of submission that the men are also called to participate in. So this is mutual. We mutually submit ourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit your lives to your husbands. Love them. Husbands, submit yourself to your wife. 
love her the way Jesus has loved the church. My friends, the point is God wants us to experience his great love for all of us. And you know, God is not content for you to only have just a little warm, fuzzy feeling once in a while. God is not content for you just to, to hear a song that you like or hear a sermon. Oh, that's, that was nice. That was inspirational. That, God says, you know what? That's not enough. I want you to experience my real, tangible, life-changing love. And so when humanity was in need of that kind of love for our salvation, how did God love us? With a person, right? With Jesus Christ, with God in the flesh. And it turns out God's love is incarnational. The word became flesh in Jesus Christ. God's love became flesh. And so having experienced the beauty and the power of the incarnation, now Paul says to us, okay, now you have to embody this for one another. You have to take on the love of God in your flesh, in your body, in your words, in your actions, and you then share that and pour that out into the life of the one God has placed in your life. My friends, you are a tool God wants to use to bless other people. Did you know that? God wants to use you to bless and love the other people God has put in your life. You can be a tangible reminder of the love of God for your spouse and for all those God has chosen for you. Imagine a marriage where each partner is more concerned about the desires of the other than they are about their own. Imagine a marriage where we say to each other, you know what, you don't owe me anything. You don't owe me anything. Jesus has paid it all, and so I forgive you. I love you no matter what, and no matter what you do for me or fail to do for me, I will love you, and I will pour out this love into your life. Can you imagine a relationship like that? Now, some of you uh, may feel tempted to kind of push back on this a little bit and say, okay, you know, that's fine, Pastor Brad, but, you know, you don't know my situation because my situation is really bad or, you know, the, what Paul is saying doesn't really apply here to me um, and, and you just don't get it. Can I tell you something, my friends? I get it, okay? I get it. I'm a human being. I, I've lived through difficult things. I'm a pastor. I've walked with some of you and, and other people in my 10 years of ministry through really, really hard stuff, okay? I've, I've sat with people, cried with them, prayed with them through death and through divorce and separation and adultery and all kinds of awful things that we have to face as human beings. And so I, I have been through that. You know, pastors, we're kind of like the hospital, right? People call us when there's a problem. And, and rarely does anyone ever call and say, hey, pastor, just want to let you know, everything's great. Everything's awesome. My wife and I, were loving each other so deeply. You know, I don't get those calls. And I'm not asking for those calls. You don't have to call me tomorrow, make me feel better. No, you, I'm not asking for it. But what I'm saying is I've heard the stories. I know how bad it is. And so if you are sitting there thinking, you just don't understand my marriage, I do. Or, or saying, you know what, this will never work. My friends, it will work. I promise you it will work. But we have to work it. We have to work it. We have to take the risk. So please don't think I'm naive. I know the struggle is real, we, but, but we have to take the risk to make it work. And, and sometimes, you know, the pushback, the pushback looks like this. And we say, uh, Pastor, you know, that's all fine, but see, you don't know my husband. I, I've got to keep him on a, on a tight leash, right? And if I don't, well, there's no telling 
you know, what he might do or what he might get into. And uh, I, I've helped him over the years. You know, finally, he's come to understand now what, what this means and that if he just gets with the program, then everything's fine. And uh, I've helped you, honey, haven't I? Come here and tell the people how much I've helped you. Get over here, right? <laughs> or, or a husband can say, well, my wife, you don't know my wife. She, she can't handle $5. You know, I've got to keep her on a, on a tight leash of spending. You know, it's just you never know what she's going to do and spend all that money. Now, you're telling me, Pastor, that I've, I've got to, to lay this down? I don't know. I don't know if I really want to. If I really want to do that, see, but oh gosh, I just I can't. I can't lay it down because if I lay this down, then then what? Then then I'm afraid. You know, maybe my spouse they won't love me back. You know, or or maybe I'm afraid that things won't go the way I want them to in my relationship if I if I set this down, I, and I just don't know if I'm willing to to give up control. Friends, do you know what it's called? When you try to control someone else's behavior by giving them more or less freedom, depending on their past behavior, we call that parenting, right? This is parenting. This is, okay, you earned some more, I'll give you more privileges, or you, you did poorly with that, so I'm going to take them away. Now, when you said, I do, you were not asking for another parent, were you? You've already got some of those, uh, one or two, and that's enough, right? That's enough. We don't need another parent. And so as long as I'm using this and this box of expectations to try to control my spouse, there is little to no room for the expression of or receiving of unconditional love. Because this, this is conditional. This is, I will if you will, and you better because, well, you promised, and so now I'm going to hold you to it, right? And we say, now, honey, you, you did a good job last month, so I'm going to give you just a little bit more rope here, and I'm going to let you stay out 15 minutes later this week. So you're going to be out to 8.45, okay? Now, if you do good with that, then next month we'll make it 9 o'clock and we'll make your curfew a little bit later. That's not what you signed up for, is it? That's not what you signed up for when you got married, is to be controlled by someone else, by their expectations. And so the challenge is, can we drop the rope? Can, can we drop the rope? But that's hard, isn't it? It's hard to let go of control, and here's why. Because when we let go of control, the truth is, the other may or may not love us back the way we want to be loved. They might, and it would be great and beautiful, but they might not. And you and I have each had experiences where we opened our heart and, and we gave it over to someone else. And they took our heart, and instead of caring for it gently and compassionately, they threw it on the ground and stomped on it. And we have lived with that hurt and that pain for a long, long time. And so it's hard. It's hard to make ourselves vulnerable. Well, you know, if, oh gosh, if I don't make my expectations clear, how am I going to get what I want? You know, if I take everything out of this box and, and put it in a desires box and say, you don't have to do any of this, what if he or she does none of that for me? And that's possible, isn't it? So let's just acknowledge this morning, there is a risk. There is a risk involved. But you know what, my friends, I want to suggest to you, it's worth the risk. It is worth the risk. Now, let me also acknowledge, this is not a magic formula where you hear the, the sermon on Sunday morning and you apply it on Monday and Tuesday, wow, everything's perfect now, right? It, it doesn't work like that, does it? We're talking about a lifetime of habits that you cultivate little by little, day by day in your relationship to help it to grow, to be the kind of relationship that God would have 
with us. My friends, this is, the, this is the task, this is the challenge, to take everything out of the expectations box, put it back into the desires box, and to trust God that God knows what he's doing in your relationships. And that the, when the scripture calls us to submit ourselves to one another, God's not going to leave us in a bad place. Because you know what God does? When we lay ourselves down, God picks us up again. And when we die, God raises us to new life. My friends, you know that's how God works. That's how God works. It's a risk, yes, but it's worth it.